0: to politics this is the Michael Medved show
1: and another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth a great day with another great speech by uh, Volodymyr Zelensky the hero of the moment president of Ukraine he just addressed the Canadian Parliament he speaks to the US Congress both houses uh, tomorrow And uh, what will he say? Will it be similar to what he said in Canada? There are also reports of uh, unbelievable violations of human decency, including looting of private homes uh, from Ukraine, uh, from particularly those dark parts of Ukraine that are already under Russian occupation. And uh, the Kremlin TV, (laughs) it's... It's pretty amazing, they're making a series of demands for reparations from the US after they win the war, and TV commentators are calling for the immediate use of nuclear weapons to make sure they win the war against the US, part of the reparations, the return of Alaska. This is not a joke, Uh, Putin is already, I quote Putin in my book, in my book, God's Hand on America, I talk about the fact how uh, President uh, Putin uh, observed the 150th anniversary of the purchase of Alaska by the United States and by Secretary Seward by saying that, uh, that Russia would have won the Cold War and the Russian Empire would have been on solid footing if they hadn't sold us Alaska. Anybody uh, think that uh, they should get Alaska back? I don't know, given the political situation. Who knows? Uh, But uh, that is one of the demands. There's also a a segregation experiment that was tried in a public school in Texas, and now the parents are furious. Why? Uh, We will get to that. And uh, much more a surprising poll, a really surprising poll, about where it is— that college graduates want to live their lives where do they want to go do they want to go to kiev not so much right now Uh, but we will talk about that as well on the medved show 1-800-955-1776 there is this report from zaporozhia ukraine Uh, russian forces are killing civilians and looting stores and homes across occupied parts of southern Ukraine, residents said as Moscow arrested local leaders who had been elected and sought to replace them with pro-Russian collaborators. People arriving here from Russian-held areas over the weekend described hungry and undisciplined Russian troops shooting unarmed villagers, breaking into supermarkets and shops, and raiding homes in search of food and valuables to steal, as their own supply lines have failed. Uh, Valentina Hodus, 64, said they just brazenly come in without any shame. They take whatever they want. She came to Zaporozhye from the small village of Mern after days hiding in the cellar with her daughter and grandson as Russian troops went door-to-door ransacking the houses. The uh, neighbors who were driving a car with a Ukrainian flag were shot and killed by a Russian patrol last week. She said it's still there, the car with the flag, on the roadside, and their bodies are still inside. Russia said it isn't planning an occupation of Ukraine and that its forces are liberating Ukrainians. Yeah, right. It said it has hit only military targets and that any civilian casualties are the fault of what it is called Ukrainian nationalists and extremists. Uh, Russian attempts to seize Ukraine's biggest cities of Kiev and Kharkiv in the north have stalled in the face of fierce resistance. But uh, in a rapid advance in the first week of the war, Moscow managed to take a swath of Ukraine's southern Zaporozhye, Kherson, and Mikolayev regions. On Saturday, that's this Saturday, members of the Kherson Regional Legislature convened by Zoom and reaffirmed their loyalty to the Ukrainian state and to President Zelensky. Our hearts are beating in the same rhythm as the rest of Ukraine, which is resisting the invaders. Kherson Mayor Ihor Kolikaev added on social media in Melitopol, part of the Zaporosha region, Russia on Saturday named municipal council member Galina Danielchenko to run the city and surrounding district after Russian soldiers detained and arrested the elected mayor, Ivan Fedorov, in a move President Vladimir Zelensky of Ukraine described as an abduction. Anti-Russian demonstrations have broken out across occupied areas in Kherson. A week ago, thousands marched in a city center. A giant Ukrainian flag flew atop a slow-moving car that blasted a new Ukrainian pop hit. The pop hit is called Beiraktar, which celebrates the destruction of Russian convoys with drone strikes. I'm sure the Russian troops who were there loved to hear that. In Melitopol on Saturday, a day after the mayor's arrest, Residents walked through the streets chanting, Melitopol, rise up, Melitopol, rise up. Near the end, as people were starting to disperse, one of the protest leaders, Olga Gysimova, was on the edge of the crowd when a black car drew up. Someone threw a smoke bomb into the crowd and several black-clad men jumped from the vehicle and grabbed Ms. Gysimova, 54 years old. On Sunday, Around 1,000 Melitopol residents gathered again outside the government building that now houses Russian military headquarters, chanting, where is our mayor, where is our mayor, where is our Olga? Uh, look, th- this is going on uh, along with the absence of heat in a very bitter winter, of uh, food, water, medical supplies. People can't get their insulin, which means if you're diabetic, you can die. Uh, when the Russians come into the villages, they maraud in every way they can. They rob and shoot people, said Alexander Sidnikov, who alongside three small children spent nearly two weeks hiding in a cellar. Darya Pristupa, a former waitress, said she had to walk through the front line with her two-year-old daughter Sophia on Saturday. Her town of Molachansk was under Russian control and she was desperate to escape and to try to make her way somewhere into the European Union. There is no food, there is no salt, no sugar, no medication, she said. And Sophia she just keeps saying bang, 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 making the sound of explosions that are everywhere. Uh, Look, what is to be done about this? Uh, A number of people have taken a look at the possibility of the no-fly zone, and there's support for that by some in Congress. But there's a much better idea, which was put forward today by two former national security uh, advisors in the Bush administration. It's actually an idea that would not lead to an escalation of the war, but would lead to relief. It, it takes a uh, leaf from the pages of history and the history of Harry Truman and the uh, the airlift to Berlin, to supply Berlin when the Russians were trying to starve it out. So uh, how would this airlift work and what would it be involved with? Uh, we will get to that. We'll also be speaking with Doug Schoen who has done business in Ukraine, knows the country well, and talks about how much longer this war could go on and what the ultimate results are likely to be. We will be getting to that and to debates over segregation and where's the best pace to live and more right here in the United States. Also, a poll shows a majority of Americans Think Biden will not run again for the presidency. Could they be right? We'll get to that and more on the MedVed show.
0: the Michael Medved show
1: and on the Michael Medved show there's a dramatic response to all those people who think we have a do-nothing Congress that gets nothing done this is uh, an epic uh, triumph I guess for some uh, in terms of impacting the way that Americans live and uh, the way that we organize our lives The Senate has just passed, are you ready? Are you sitting down? Because you'll remember this day. The Senate has just passed a bill to make daylight savings time permanent, meaning that America will never again have to worry about changing its clocks if this bill uh, passes the House, where it's controversial. This is called the Sunshine Protection Act. And the answer from a beautiful Seattle is what, Sunshine? Uh, It's no, it's called the Sunshine Protection Act. It would make daylight savings permanent in 2023. The uh, bill was uh, co-sponsored by Sheldon Whitehouse, the Democrat of Rhode Island, and Marco Rubio, Republican of Florida, appropriately the Sunshine State. White House wrote in a tweet, it's time to brighten the coldest months with an extra hour of afternoon sun. The measure still needs approval from the House of Representatives, and uh, then it would have to be signed by President Joe Biden. I I don't know yet where he stands on the sunshine issue. Uh, And whether this bill is fairly, I mean, there are people, serious people, who talk about uh, economic consequences and other consequences of uh, daylight savings time I don't think it's a good idea even for half the year let alone for the whole year but uh, we shall see Uh, (laughs) meanwhile in the other part of the world uh, a um, another um, media story and the media story There's a story about a remarkable uh, woman whose name is Marina Ovsianakova. And, uh, yeah, that's Ovsianakova. And uh, she's a Russian employee of the leading network in Moscow who stood up with that sign. And the picture really says a thousand words. They have the um, uh, Putin-approved anchorwoman who is delivering the news. And Marina Sienakova of Sienakova stands behind her with a big sign that says in English, no war. And uh, the rest of us she says um, uh, in, in her message that what is going on in Ukraine is a crime. And, uh, and the bottom is signed by Russians against war, which is terrific. She burst onto the set of Russian state TV's flagship evening news program on uh, Monday, and she denounced the government propaganda, a striking moment of public protest as the Kremlin cracks down on any criticism of its invasion in Ukraine. She was taken away. She was detained. Uh, now they have announced that uh, she is going to be punished with a fine of 30000 Thousand rubles. Now that's uh, a R- Russian court has already ordered that punishment. Now, that sounds pretty harsh until you realize that thanks to our sanctions, uh, those thirty thousand rubles are worth two hundred eighty dollars. Okay, it says still, yeah, for, for people going through economic hardship in Moscow, this is still a remarkable act of courage. And uh, she said uh, to the press, uh, the Western press, Unfortunately, I've been working at Channel One during recent years, working on Kremlin propaganda. And now I am very ashamed. I am ashamed that I've allowed the lies to be said on the TV screens. I am ashamed that I let the Russian people be zombified. She ended with a call to action, alluding to the high price of dissent in Russia. It is only in our power to stop this madness. Take to the streets, don't be afraid, she said. They cannot jail us all." Uh, Look, this is uh, uh, remarkable. And if that spreads among uh, the Russian population, it can have a profound impact. Meanwhile, there are two different uh, pieces in the Wall Street Journal about an idea To help stop suffering and to put Vladimir Putin on the spot, Uh, Douglas Faith and John Hanna, who are two brilliant guys who both worked at one time for the George W. Bush administration, uh, both of them say that what we need now is an airlift, an airlift that could save Ukraine. They write, the goal would be to provide food, medicine, and other non-military supplies for days, weeks, and maybe longer, countries viewed as not hostile to Russia. Perhaps Brazil, Egypt, India, and the United Arab Emirates could take the lead in flying planes into Ukraine. Such an effort would put international pressure on Russia, which claims, however disingenuously, to support humanitarian land corridors for Ukrainian refugees. Vladimir Putin would either consent and facilitate distribution of supplies or provoke more denunciations of Russia for its inhumanity. Even if criticism doesn't move him, his top lieutenants may worry about their image and their vulnerability to war crimes trials. This proposal may aggravate whatever divisions exist within Mr. Putin's team and trigger further anti-war sentiment among ordinary Russians. At the same time, an airlift would counter Russia's strategy to besiege the Ukrainian people. It would boost Ukrainian morale and increase international efforts to aid Ukraine. Countries around the world can contribute humanitarian supplies. This would give them more to do to help Ukraine than simply vote for United Nations resolutions. A humanitarian airlift would be an acceptable alternative to a no-fly zone. A no-fly zone would create huge risks of escalation and has been widely rejected by U.S. and European leaders. An airlift has much better chances of receiving bipartisan support and broad international backing. Instead of threatening to shoot down Russian planes, a humanitarian airlift would force Russia either to consent or threaten to shoot down planes from non-threatening countries full of humanitarian supplies. A... uh, It it seems to me a very reasonable proposal. The later in the elsewhere in the Wall Street Journal, they have a editorial that suggests that this is a meritorious suggestion that ought to be put in place right away. Uh, There is more. uh, uh, Gary Kasparov, who knows something about Russian repression. Former international chess champion, become U.S. citizen and uh, activist on behalf of freedom, sanity and decency. And we'll be speaking with Doug Schoen, who uh, has made his own pleas for uh, relief for Ukraine and has a big picture perspective, having worked over there considerably. We will be right back on The Medved Show with Doug Schoen. Medved show Uh, always a pleasure to talk to Doug Schoen. he uh, is a political consultant a leading pollster a veteran political strategist who has worked for Mike Bloomberg when he was a Republican mayor of New York City he's worked for President Clinton when he was a Democratic president of the United States and he's gone after both sides Republicans and Democrats when they are irresponsible and destructive of the national interest and recently uh, you've been pretty harsh on Democrats you're talking about Democrats being headed for an electoral Armageddon do you think that Ukraine which is obviously first of mind, top of mind for everybody in the country Republican and Democratic a uh, sane and even <laughs> deeply troubled it's an important issue does that change anything politically here in the United States as we look forward to the election in November? You know, I, I don't think so, Michael
0: sit here; We're in a dynamic situation that could change literally from day to day, hour to hour. But candidly, I think the American people after Afghanistan want strong and decisive action. And while I think every right-thinking person is pleased that the Western alliance has held up, I also think there's a sense that there's more that can be done, should be done, and needs to be done, and that America was, if anything, not taking the leadership role that it could have before Putin had, uh, invaded.
1: Yeah, but again, before Putin invaded, th- this was a point that David Leonhardt in the New York Times has brought up, is that we had literally months of advance warning And wouldn't it have uh, at least given uh, Putin some second thoughts about invading if we'd actually sent some NATO troops into, uh, and not just U.S., but uh, our other NATO allies, into Ukraine so that uh, there would be at least a demonstration of a defensive determination by the United States?
0: Well, I think there's a lot more we could have done. We certainly could have done more. To give them javelins and stinger missiles. We could have certainly uh, made it clear that we were going to stand together in a forthright manner against the Russian invasion. I am, as we sit here today, not going to second us the decision not to send or just not to send troops into Ukraine, though I do note with interest that the military base in western Ukraine with the Russians said a day or so ago was within 15 miles of the Polish border. So I guess in general terms, yes, to David Leonhardt's point, uh, no uh, specifically as to whether that individual decision was the right or wrong one. But the general point you're making and he was making is undeniably right. We were late to the party. And we could have deterred Putin, I think, with a much more assertive and aggressive approach on a multiplicity of fronts.
1: Okay, you have been an advisor to both political parties. Right now, it does look, according to all the polling, like the Democrats are in very serious trouble in 2022 uh, in the upcoming congressional elections this year. Uh, The presidential elections in 2024 Are so unpredictable that there's a big new poll today. Most people don't believe Biden will even run. What should the Democrats do to turn around this perception that they're dead man walking? That's a perception you share uh, looking toward a potential Democratic uh, blowout.
0: Yeah, I, I have a very different view, Michael, than the Democratic leadership. I am not for tweaking Build Back Better. I am for uh basically uh abandoning it i am for seeking to do a grand compromise on immigration uh tighten the border and do a pathway to citizenship certainly propose that i'm for taking a much tougher stand on a number of social and cultural issues educational issues and i'm for trying to do everything we can to pare back spending because i think the american people And I certainly believe that the big spending of the first year of the Biden administration is inexorably linked to inflation that at the very least is not going to be transitory. Those are a couple of things I would do, but candidly, I would govern in a bipartisan way, in a way that is different from and distinctive from the way the administration has heretofore operated
1: if uh you had your guess uh do you believe that president biden will in fact run for re-election i do not think he will uh, my best guess is the democrats get trounced in the midterms
0: and president biden decides shortly thereafter to make himself a lame duck president
1: and uh does he try to install a kamala harris as leader of the democratic party
0: uh i suspect he will not I'm sure he would not say anything negative, but I doubt that he will seek to facilitate her nomination. And uh, I was at an event in Florida on uh, Friday night, Michael, and one of the more prominent guests at this event was Senator Cory Booker, and I took his presence outside New Jersey at an event in Florida to be a sign that at the very least he is available and considering running for president should that opportunity present itself
1: if you were um, put your Republican hat on for just a moment sure. as, as if you were advising Republicans uh, who would you w- wouldn't you relish the opportunity of running against Kamala Harris uh, when if she were the candidate for president nothing would please me more if I was a Republican I would say that the <laughs> Republicans
0: um, need to do some version of what Rick Scott has proposed, but I would suggest that the notion that everybody has to pay a little in taxes is both sustainably and politically not a winner with the American people.
1: Right. Uh, that's that's clearly the case. Which Democratic potential candidate would give you uh, most fear if you were a Republican looking at uh, 2024? Uh, I'm gonna say it you're gonna disagree and we'll both smile but I think it's Hillary Clinton I you had said that before Uh, Hillary Clinton Hillary Clinton more formidable candidate than uh, uh, than Donald Trump again
0: Uh, I I don't know I think the polls are relatively close between the two both have large negatives and significant positives and uh, I can't say that it would be the best thing that would happen to uh, America, but uh, what is certain is that ratings for our cable channels would go up and go up substantially if those two are the candidates.
1: Speaking of debates, uh, w- what about the Iran deal? A good move by Biden to go back into the Iran nuclear deal? I think
0: it's a bad, bad move. It is tantamount to doing sanctions against the Russians on one hand, and on the other hand, giving them control of the process with Iran, uh, particularly in the day after the Iranians had hit uh, a site very close to our uh, embassy or consulate in uh, uh, Iraq. So I'm, I'm deeply troubled by the Iran deal. I know the Israelis are, too, and this is a very, very worrisome sign to me
1: uh there's nothing no shortage of worrisome signs but maybe even some reasons for hope uh i i i think you uh you know people in ukraine including uh victor pinchuk who has a moving a moving column today saying that uh sympathy isn't enough for ukraine as uh, so what is we will get to that and to more Coming up on The Michael Medved Show.
0: The Michael Medved Show. Michael, you are the best. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. That's 1-800-955-1776.
1: Leaders of Poland, uh, the Czech Republic, and Slovenia, uh, that's the homeland of, uh, of Mrs. Trump, uh, are traveling to Kiev on a European Union mission to uh, show the support for Ukraine as the capital is being hit by Russian airstrikes. It's very unusual for obviously heads of state heads of government in this case, to uh, to actually travel into the middle of the war, d- war zone. It is a big expression of solidarity. The Polish Prime Minister uh, wrote on Facebook this morning, this is not about us, it is about our children who deserve to uh, live in a world without tyranny. That was the um, the, the message as well from uh, President Zelensky addressing the Canadian Parliament earlier today. Uh, here is what it sounded like, uh, uh, this is clip 13, uh, through a translator. Uh, listen.
2: And I would like you to feel this, what we feel every day. We want to live, and we want to be victorious, we want to prevail for the sake of life. Can you imagine when you when you call your friends, your friendly nation, and you ask, please close the sky, close the airspace, please stop the bombing? How many more cruise missiles have to fall on our cities until you make this happen? And they, in return, they express their deep concerns about the situation when we talked to with our partners and they said please hold on, hold on a little longer.
1: Uh, that uh, President Vladimir Zelensky addressing the Canadian Parliament. And uh, then he added this uh, before he got the a three-minute standing ovation from uh, the um, Canadian House of Commons. Uh, listen, this is... Clip 13B.
2: Some people are talking about trying to avoid the escalation, and at the same time, in response to our aspiration to become members of NATO, we also do not hear a clear answer. Sometimes we don't see obvious things. It's a, diffi- it's a dire straits, but it also allowed us to see who our real friends are over the last 20 days.
1: And uh, again, um, most nations in the world, there are 141 nations that voted with Ukraine uh, in a resolution demanding that Putin stop his war. And uh, again, there are also voices at home uh, in Russia, like Marina Ovsianakova, who uh, put up that sign got into trouble working for a russian broadcaster uh, her rather brave individual act which has been inspiring around the world and getting a great deal of appropriate intention attention uh this is the way it was covered clip eight
2: Российский премьер подчеркнул, надо усилить сотрудничество в рамках союзного государства
1: what you heard there was the broadcaster, the somewhat glamorous lead broadcaster for TV1, uh, the, the flagship for the Russian state. and uh, what you heard was Marina of Sienakova pulling up behind her with her sign on no war. And uh, again, an administrative fine today of 30,000 rubles or $280. Uh, In other news, a Ukrainian official has now accused Russian forces of holding people captive at a hospital in Mariupol. And there is a moving, I, I mentioned this because one of the richest people in uh, in Ukraine uh, is an oligarch. He's he's actually made his money originally uh, building pipe. He has a PhD in engineering and he was engineering pipe and because there were pipes going through Ukraine he made money on that. His name is Victor Pinchuk and uh, He says, I know sending us planes and weapons is risky, but the risks of inaction are even greater for the West. And he wrote the following. We thank you for the food, for the money, for the sympathy and the painted blue and yellow flags. But if you want to save us, Ukraine needs planes, anti-aircraft and anti-tank missiles armed drones, and other weapons of war. So I beg our friends in the West, please give Ukraine the planes and other weapons it needs. Now, stop buying coal and oil from Russia. Don't think about it. Don't evaluate options. Don't consider. Just do it. Time is life. I asked the European Union to make Ukraine a candidate for membership. An independent Ukraine belongs in the EU. I know these actions entail risks. But in a deadly fight, you can't help without taking risks. And there are even greater risks to an action. What will happen if you let Russia tear up the international system, destroy a sovereign nation, commit mass murder? The aggressor can be stopped only with force. We have to match Russia's brutality with our speed, our decisiveness, and our determination. We cannot keep worrying that the aggressor will escalate. We must make him worry that we can also escalate. Ukraine will never be beaten, says Viktor Pinchuk. But many Ukrainians will die. Their families will be destroyed. Their cities will turn into rubble. These are ordinary peace-loving people who have never thought of attacking anyone, who only seek a life of peace and tranquility and inspire to be a modern European country. When Hitler's forces, he writes, were converging on Britain in February of 1941, Churchill said to Franklin Roosevelt and the world, give us the tools and we will finish the job. That's what Ukrainians ask for today. The tools to defeat a brutal tyrant who has attacked a peace loving free democracy because it is a free democracy. You have a chance to stand up to evil, take a risk, trust your conscience, save the values and ideals of the West. In this moment of crisis, Ukrainians don't say, SOS, save our souls. Ukrainians' lives are in danger, but our souls are safe. We say to you, save your souls. It's a powerful message. and it comes perfectly timed with um with Zelensky planning to address the and uh, basically the the ongoing question is, what do you do at this stage in the conflict where there is no hint of some kind of climactic uh, military confrontation that's not happening but surely the idea of humanitarian airlift for Ukraine that idea put forth by Doug Feith, who I hope will join us on the show soon and uh, John Hanna that idea of a humanitarian airlift is is a tremendous idea and a, a totally appropriate because Putin says he wants humanitarian aid to flow to Ukraine. Okay, if he does, they should be able to arrange for planes to come in. If Putin refuses to do that, then it becomes very clear to even his few supporters in the world, even those people in the United States, including some members of Congress in both parties, who uh, want to blame their political opponents here in the United States for what is happening rather than attaching the blame rightly to Vladimir Putin. Uh, My piece uh, yesterday in Wall Street Journal uh, over at the website there got a pretty good response, though I'm not sure a happy response from the uh, Kremlin where uh, I was describing uh, President Putin as Vlad the Mad. Uh, But uh, we will see about that. Coming back, we will also talk about madness right here in the United States, including the desperate possibility that neither of the two leading candidates, Trump nor Biden, will actually be running in 2024. Why do people believe that? We will get to that and much more in this greatest nation on God's green earth.